0: Companion, this is episode 170. I'm your host, Brian Williams. I am Adam Caesar.
1: I'm Stephen Embry.
0: And today we're kicking off the original series third season with Spock's Brain, The Enterprise Incident, and the Paradise
1: Syndrome. Here we go. Spock's Brain, Season 3, Episode 1, Production Code 061. Original air date September 20th, 1968. Directed by Mark Daniels, written by Lee Cronin, music composed by Fred Steiner. Guest cast include Marge Doucet as Kara, Sheila Layton as Luma, and James Darris as Morg. <laughs>
2: The Enterprise encounters a curious ship of unusual design. Upon contact, the ship emits a transport beam and a mysterious woman appears on the Enterprise bridge. She stuns the entire crew using a bracelet-like device, then examines each of them taking particular interest in the Vulcan First Officer, Spock. When the crew awakes, they find Commander Spock in an unusually precarious circumstance.
1: You've got him on complete life
0: support. Was he dead? He was worse than dead.
1: jim come on bones what's the mystery his brain is gone
0: spock's brain uh before we start recording steve was implying this is one of his favorites so i'm gonna let him start mm. this conversation mm-hmm.
1: Yes. Well, I mean, I think this is the, for me, this is the quintessential, it's so bad, it's good. And then, you know, because there's a difference, you know, we, we have seen several episodes, we've seen a number of episodes in all the series and some in the original series too, that are just bad, you know, it's bad. And, but this is bad, entertaining bad, because it's so, it's so ridiculous, you know, it's, it's campy. It's like, it's almost like, provides a window into some kind of alternate universe where like if star trek was a campy series like the 60s era batman Austin series Space. yes that kind of thing it's kind of like it's this like example of well here's what it would be like or something you know and so i mean yeah you you, you it's it's not good um and it's kind of painful sometimes because you know you we we have we have uh, feelings for these characters, and, you know, if you're a real true fan, you know, it's, it's, you take it seriously, but, you know, you just can't help but just kind of marvel at the nonsense, and so, um, anyway, I'm, I kind of, in that way, I kind of look forward to this, you know, seeing this one, so, it's, it, yeah, it's, it's not good, but it's, it's fun, it's so silly,
0: it's silly. I was trying to be, I mean, you know, this episode is so well known for being, Yeah. Uh, you know, bad and it's so many times been voted the worst episode of the original series even the actors have made jokes about it over the years and things but yeah we've talked about i there's an element of this I, i would watch this 10 times before i would watch some of the other just flat out bad episodes especially you know i keep i keep referencing that enterprise the the episode those two, the the one with the woman running through the woods, and then mm-hmm. the one with uh, what's her name, Padme, uh, you know, uh, th- those two episodes, they're they're so just god awful. Uh, this, they're not even entertaining. There's nothing redeeming about them whatsoever. Spock's screen is fun, is fun. But knowing all that, I decided to try and watch it uh, more as an experiment, experiment. <laughs> <laughs> try and, to try and watch it and take it seriously this time. I tried to try to be watch it differently, and it helped a little bit that I asked my my, my five-year-old watched this one with me not the other two and he actually thought the story was kind of cool
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: so for what that's worth but anyway I was sort of almost like yeah okay this is bad and every time there's like a musical stinger and Spock's <laughs> head, brainless body would turn to on the camera and zoom in and <laughs> yeah I mean you would laugh a little bit find it's bad but I was I was trying and I was kind of with it I'm like this is this is not the worst episode ever. I can sort of maybe follow it. Maybe. I'm trying. So, and then near the end, when um, Spock on the operating table starts talking to help McCoy with the surgery, right, right. that's when I just, nope, can't do it anymore. Nope, nope, <laughs> nope. Nope. <laughs> nope, I can't. I can't do it, no. Uh, Adam, your thoughts on Spock's brain?
2: Um, I probably felt similarly to both you guys. Um, I tried to... You know, the problem with this, the real problem with this episode is the choice that they made. Instead of, you know, this this woman who comes aboard, instead of just kidnapping him and taking, him, taking his whole body somewhere, you know, they decided to remove his brain and still have his body there. So that's the choice they made with this episode. And I think that's the primary problem with this episode because it's too, like Steve said earlier, it's too science fiction campy. It's campy science fiction, which... You know, Star Trek has some of that, but they don't too often use it, and it's not too often, you know, a main plot point in any one of the episodes. So, I tried to, I think part of the problems with this episode is is suspending your disbelief and the ridiculousness of um, seeing Spock controlled animatronically. So, I tried to just suspend all the disbelief, and um, I kind of thought it was actually, it's not, it's a decent story, it's taste well there's actually some good scenes in this episode but yeah just it's hard to get past the campiness of that and at the end when you know when mccoy's starting to lose lose his why doesn't kurt just jump in there and get the knowledge and then finish the surgery i don't know there's a lot of there are a lot of different choices to make there towards the end instead of having um spock just um guide mccoy through that operation there are moments
0: when they when they're pushing it you know they're they're I wonder if it had been a little differently it been a little, a little different had they been in on it at the time I mean all the producers all the people producing this episode is what I mean but mm-hmm. but they they're definitely not you know that stinger is in there that musical stinger is ta ta da essentially yeah. funny, you know <laughs> yeah. um they're 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 playing it for all it's worth here uh there're just so many little choices that I'm like Oh, come on, man. Like the little clicky sound effects when, when Spock right. is moving around. That, that one doesn't even make sense, by the Wait, way. What's clicking there? Let's yeah, click that clicks. thing is just controlling like <laughs> nerves, motor nerves or something. It's yeah. only on his head. It's not like he's got like some full body. Like <laughs> right. <ears. laughs> I don't know what that click is, but it sure makes it bad. My right. favorite.
2: My favorite when Kirk's writhing in pain on the ground and he's able to control his hands and make him grab the the woman. Oh, <laughs> that yeah, button. Just
0: with a button. That's a yeah. pretty specific button. It's a good thing they programmed that one in there. Uh, right. grab,
2: grab woman's hands.
0: <laughs> uh, it's like that scene in in Star Wars Episode Three when when she like pushes the exact same button twice and it does completely different things. So. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. It's like what?
1: <laughs> So this this is also like misogynistic and whatnot, right? I mean, it's it's pretty yeah. I mean, it, it, oh yeah, it, yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, it's I'm not. I mean, it's not even it's not even subtle. It's not like they're saying women are stupid or something. But you get this feel that the, because of the choices they made and how the this planet, you have the, the women doing this, the men doing this, and all this stuff too. You get this vibe that like you know, it's like how can how can they possibly have done it? And they even like say things like, "Where is he?" Like, "Where is your leader?" And stuff too. I mean, it's it's like they like it's like like it's some kind of punchline. Like, "No, it's me. I'm the leader. and I'm a woman, or something." You know, it's mm-hmm. it's it's that's that's very problematic too. Even if the rest of it just didn't wasn't ridiculous or whatever. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah.
2: The one scene that I did like in this episode it was when they were they're searching for Spock, and they're on the bridge, and um, it's Kirk with you know, um, Sulu and Chekhov and Lahora trying to figure out this mystery. You know, that's, that's unusual for the series because it's usually Kirk, Spock, and McCoy, but it's Kirk here. Oh, when
0: they're figuring out the planet?
2: Yeah, figuring out which planet to go to. And, you know, that. I, I don't know. I just kind of like that scene because it's, like I said, it's. To me, that's unusual for the original series where Kirk's actually trying to work something out with, um, you know, the secondary stars of the, the episode. So I kind of enjoyed that scene just for its, you know, it's different than how you, things are usually talked out and figured out.
0: Well, it's nice seeing the view screen that way. Yeah. 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 Um, I mean, I, I, I like the idea. We've certainly seen it before, but I like the idea of the like subterranean city. I, and There's not a lot that's positive, but I was trying to say something positive. In my notes, I, I abbreviated Spock as R.C. Spock. <laughs> when I was talking about his body. That seemed to. Help me. I, I would have liked to have been in the, the pitch session for this for this script. Like, who who thought, whoa, that sounds like a great idea. Let's do that.
2: <laughs> do you think this would have been a better episode if the, he would it was just kidnapped instead of going through this whole brain issue?
1: I think there's about a million and one ways to make it a better episode. I mean, it's, yeah, but it's probably, yeah. I mean, it takes one ridiculous aspect out of it. I mean... I mean, that's the thing is that it's, it's, it's conceptual, but it's also just the, the writing is so, uh, it's, it's pedantic, right? I mean, and the way, the way they make the characters just kind of look dingbat and stuff too. I mean, how do you, how do you get, um, James doing to look so ridiculous. It's almost like when they were doing this they'd had to say, like, no, have a more dumb <laughs> stupid expression. I mean, yeah, I don't you know, I mean it's, it's almost like it's almost like everyone's making a jokey thing, you know, in a way. it's it's kind of a marvel in that sense, you know. It's Whoa, yeah, ah, you know, what do they want with his brain? you know, it's just it's so so
2: crazy, you know. It's
1: yeah.
2: A little bit a little bit of overacting, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you because know, the Star Trek the original series has never been known for a little overacting. <laughs> We're gonna to get to see it from um, Mr. Shatner in the next few episodes. The titles
0: in blue, is, I is that a season three thing or is that just? This I
1: episode? I I guess so, cause it's all of them so far that yeah, we've watched.
0: Yeah. It stuck out to me in this episode, I guess, cause it's the first one we watched here. But I mm-hmm. did, I totally did not remember that. Is this episode about anything?
2: About civilizations coming together to work to progress? You shouldn't separate the men and the women. I don't know. I'll I'll say that I I don't. I didn't dislike this episode as much as I have in the past. That's kind of weird. I didn't. It didn't bother me near as much this time around.
0: I do. Yeah, I I agree with that. I like. Like I remember that there. I went through a period where I found this episode unwatchable. Like I couldn't find any fun in it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's that's definitely no longer the case. You know, it occurred to me to ask my son to watch this one because I thought he would think it was fun. Mm -hmm. And he did. You know, I. It's. when, I, when we started watching the original series, I thought I would watch a lot more of these with my son, but he he's just, he was just a little bit too young. You know, maybe if it was 1966 and he was four years old, it would be the greatest thing on TV, but he's got Netflix and a kajillion shows, right? So Star Trek to him, the original series, for the most part, he he hasn't even finished them when we started an episode, but this one, he sat there through the whole thing, and he was constantly asking me, me about um, Spock's brain and where was it and what they were doing with it, <laughs> you know? So there, there's something redeeming about this episode. It's not a lady running through the woods.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think if you if you had to, like, reach for something it's about, they, they what they probably could have most, if they focused, it would have been that whole idea of... Brain and um, brain, what is brain? Exactly, oh. yes. And, the, and that, um, you know... A, a kind of an unbalanced civilization living artificially in the perils or something. But they just, if that's where they wanted to go, they would have had to focus more on that. I mean, there, there are, would have been ways to redeem this. If you'd have, like, maybe altered the premise a little bit so it's not so absurd and then focused more on, on that, on on that moral or lesson or whatever. And so you didn't dwell so much on everyone marveling at the absurd premise. I mean, it could, it could have been something, I guess, you know, but
2: yeah, just, just a few choices. I mean, yeah, this could have been a much better episode.
1: Honestly, I think even if
0: it had a different title, (laughs) it it would be the subject of, of less harassment. Yeah. 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 It's a title like somehow just ensures that it's bad. (laughs) There's no other way to read it. Uh All right, let's do 6 degrees for Spock's brain. Oh golly. Adam, this episode is unique in that it has a main character. Oh sorry, there there no uh, Spock's brain makes no further appearances uh, in, in original series episodes, so I don't have our traditional six-degrees questions for this episode. Uh, Adam, this episode is unique in that it has the main character's name and its title. How many other episodes of the original series do that? Zero, one, or two?
2: original series? Yep. Um, I'm going to say zero.
0: You're correct, zero. Steve... Sulu is seen in the captain's chair in command of the Enterprise how many other times does this happen let me rephrase that question how many times does this happen total in the original series five ten or fifteen
1: hmm oh gosh I have no idea. five yep five one-to-one one. moving on <laughs> The Enterprise Incident, Season 3, Episode 2, Production Code 059. Original air date, September 27th, 1968. Directed by John Meredith Lucas, written by D.C. Fontana, music composed by Alexander Courage. Guest cast include Joanne Linville as Romulan Commander, Jack Donner as Sub-Commander Tall, Richard Compton as Technical Officer, Robert Gentile as Technician, Mike Howden as Romulan Guard, Gordon Coffey as Romulan Soldier, Eddie Paskey as Lieutenant Leslie, and Roger Holloway as Lieutenant Limley. <laughs>
2: A cranky, Captain Kirk, without apparent authorization, orders the Enterprise into the neutral zone between the Federation and Romulans. Once there, three Romulan vessels decloak and intercept the Enterprise and order her to surrender. Kirk responds by threatening to destroy the Enterprise if the Romulans attempt a boarding. He is then invited along with Vulcan First Officer Spock aboard the Romulan flagship. Kirk Kirk accepts on condition that the Romulans simultaneously transport two of their officers over as an exchange. And you will lead the ship to a Romulan port with my flagship at
0: its side? Yes, of course. But not just this moment.
1: An hour from now will do. Even better, would it not, Commander?
0: Yes. The Enterprise Incident, Adam, why don't you kick us off on this one?
2: The Enterprise Incident, um... I was entertained by this episode, I mean, I thought it was, um, you know, we don't get to see the Romulans all too often, um... You know, it kind of starts off with the, you know, what's going on with Captain Kirk. Um, at some point, you start to realize that there's some sort of, um, you know, something's going on here. You know, Kirk isn't... This is abnormal behavior for he's Kirk. He's not usually
0: Kirk. an a-hole on yeah. the
2: bridge. Yeah, he's not usually an a-hole, and he's not usually crazy. So, after a while, you pick up on... Um, you know, if you're familiar with Star Trek, you pick up on this, even though we've seen these episodes over and over again. Um, kind of like the little bit of the cat and mouse between... Kirk and Spock and the Romulan commander, you know, it's kind of um, you know, spy episode all on these ships. Um, <laughs> I i was going to ask you, Brian, if um, the reason they had um, Klingon ships in this, was that just to save money? or?
0: Yes, they had spent so much money on the Klingon ship. They, they just had one. They had spent so much money on it that they needed to get more out of it gotcha uh, the script always had that it was not something they changed later
2: i mean it kind of worked in the i mean it worked in the the way the episode you know the romulan seemed to be hell-bent on taking the enterprise so it kind of gets at kinda least worked in, the,
0: in the remastered version they added like romulan bird of prey paint yeah. or whatever to the <laughs> to the klingon ship that wasn't in the original but anyway
2: so yeah overall i kind of liked it it was entertaining um Pace pretty well. I don't know. What you guys think?
0: I'll say for me what makes this episode so memorable are just the the Spock and Romulan commander scenes. And we'll get into that. But that relationship and every scene they have with any dialogue, every moment of that is is what has always made this episode memorable for me. Uh, Steve?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, that's what I remember most about this episode. And uh, I think it also, because it establishes so much... Um, kind of uh, canon, you know, that was addressed in, you know, like in books and things, because I was into reading the books a lot later on, but like the whole, I mean, obviously it was just an excuse, but that notion of some kind of technological exchange with the Klingons and Romulans, the notion of a cloaking device, the um, fact the Federation doesn't have it, you know, seeing the only time they cloak the Enterprise during the original series and the you know the espionage and the I mean yeah it's 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 fun and there it's a kind of a it's um it's a, it's very unique you know this whole notion of also that that weren't that the audience isn't in on it you know i mean it's we're, we don't we don't know if you don't know you don't know from the beginning you're thinking something it doesn't yeah.
0: start with the scene with uh starfleet
1: yeah and, uh, giving yeah. kirk his
0: orders we don't get that scene
1: right so that's kind of that's kind of interesting you know something's up something's probably going on showing the extent of it and then of course that's kind of one thing that's a little bit Silly. There's a lot of things that have to fall into place just right for this plan to work. You know, it's like I mean, sure. you have to assume that they at some point they kind of were winging it and just working it, you know, and making good choices and stuff to get what they need done. But yeah, it's a lot of fun, and I agree that the Spock and the Romulan commander stuff is cool, and and seeing Spock in that role is interesting because he's you know he's kind of the he's the he's the he's the seducer, he's the player, you know. Yes, he he's playing it up and all that stuff, and that that's not something he gets to do very often. So.
0: There's certainly a logic to Starfleet using the fact that he's Vulcan Mm -hmm. uh, to, you know, ingratiate himself with these Romulans. But I kind of wonder whether or not they knew it was going to be a woman uh, that he was going to be seducing. Mm -hmm. Because it sort of works even if it's just, uh, you know, any other Romulan commander. Mm -hmm. But the fact that it's a woman and the fact that he does seduce her that's what's made it so memorable, because this is the only time... You know, we see the Spock version of that, right? We see it a million times with Kirk, but this is the only time we see that with Spock. And it's interesting to me to think about the Romulan commander. I mean, she's obviously an intelligent woman. She wouldn't be where she is. I, I love the fact that, you know, they didn't cast some 18-year-old girl. Uh, <laughs> that wouldn't have worked, you know. There's like a 40-plus-year-old woman. Um, she's got um Experience and the ability that I can kind of believe this relationship she has with with Spock but she the the the, the character is a bit entranced by Spock she should probably be more skeptical of him mm-hmm. this certainly moves very quickly but I think she kind of wants it you know we've seen that sort of thing from captains before I don't know i've I've never I mean i've I've read some people that over the years that have that maybe thought that was. Too much, like she was too open uh, and, and susceptible to um, Spock's uh, wares, but charm. Yeah, but uh, but I thought uh, I thought if you if you approach it from the point of view that this is something that maybe she wants to believe, that makes it a little different. I don't know if that bothered you guys.
2: No, I, I caught on to that too. That she's a little bit too trusting of him too quickly, but it. Um it kind of ends really quick because they kind of the the game is up pretty quick there in the middle, um, or towards the second half of the episode. Um, so it didn't bother me too much.
1: Yeah, it, it does seem odd that she'd be is he that convincing, you know, given her experience and so on. But I, but I see what you're saying that she's, she, you know, they probably we don't know the backstory. They could have specifically targeted, and if if we knew she was involved, maybe she had certain political leanings that made her more susceptible to wanting some kind of involvement with uh, you know, like Vulcans. A, yeah, yeah, so
2: And you know, and this is um you know, this is you know, Vulcans and Romulans is this kind of goes throughout all of Trek Canon going forward, you know, and this is you know, we see Spock at some point in his life he actually goes and lives on Romulus, so um this is kind of the beginnings of that, that relationship that we get to see between the Vulcans and the Romulans.
0: Spock instinctively uses the Vulcan Death Grip on Kirk. Mm -hmm. I think that one should have been the giveaway to the (laughs) Romulan commander. Wait, the Death Grip,
2: really? Mm. You have something you call the Death Grip? This whole thing's made up. (laughs) Shatner didn't look too good in the Romulan makeup.
0: (laughs) No, it's funny. You know, I guess it's just what you're used to, but... Right. For all the times that we saw... Spock have to hide his ears. They never did surgery on him to take
2: off his ears. Right.
1: Apparently it's so quick and easy. I mean,
2: take him off, put him back on.
1: Hmm.
2: Well, that was that was kind of the goofy things when Kirk beams back over to the the Romulan ship and everybody runs into him. He's like, "Oh, I'm just," and then karate chops (laughs) him. You know, I was like, "How big is this ship?" where they wouldn't know. uh, You know, you wouldn't recognize everybody that's on it. Or at least an officer, because that's what he beamed over as an officer.
0: I like that by, by this third season. If you're following names, you know the writers and stuff. I think you would have guessed this episode was D.C. Fontana uh-huh. because of the way that it focuses and features Spock. Focuses on and features Spock. Mm-hmm. You know, she obviously got Spock in a way that I don't think any other. I don't know. I'm not sure any other writers. From the original series, got him as well as she did. Right. Now that might have been different later, but when, you know, I really do love all those scenes between him and the, uh, the Romulan commander. I, I read something interesting. I didn't realize that they they tried to get her on next gen. They tried to get her to come back and play that same character.
1: Oh, neat. Yeah, uh,
0: for a specific episode, which I forget what it was, but she she was unavailable, so she didn't do it. But um, mm. she's uh, she's still alive. I believe as we record this, she's way into her 80s. But
2: It's funny, I like the Romulan uniforms better in this series than I do in Next Gen, when they just kind of have the, the gray pullovers.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> Next Gen. Well, they, they changed one thing about their uniforms here as compared to Balance of Terror. This is not in my question, so I'll ask it now. Did you notice the difference? No black gloves. Ah, oh, Okay.
2: I forget, in Balance of Terror, is it, um, is it made known that there's a relation between Romulans and Vulcans? Kind of. Or, or is it just... A, well, Spock know, has a line about... It's a dis- suspected yeah, possibility.
0: Yeah, some Vulcan off. I think the word is offshoot. And then, you know, it's not until later that it's super explicit. But but it is, you know, you, you I think you see that here. Like, even the way the, the Romulan commander plays this, she seems like a Vulcan with
2: human qualities, passions.
0: Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, You know? Well that's right, why right. she kind of explains it that way, you know, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, the her her Romulan what did she say? Her Romulan intellect will appeal to your logic and her her passion will appeal to his human side, isn't there wasn't there that scene in this episode? Something
1: like that.
0: How, how how does this episode rate kind of an all of Star I mean I could see I could see somebody saying that this is one of their favorite episodes as much as I could see someone saying it's just okay you know what I mean where, where do you guys kind of put this episode um you know in uh, all of the original series rankings just and and has it changed for you over the years I think this is one that I have that when I was Younger, maybe I didn't care for it as much as I seem to now. Like I don't, I don't think I enjoyed that, that seduction banter, um, you know, at all when I was young. I didn't even, I'm not even sure I really recognized it as.
2: Well, that? yeah, I mean, I, I would agree with you, Brian. I think I like this episode more now than I used to pro- for the reasons that you mentioned. But I mean, it's you know, it's also kind of like it's it's got some plot twists. It's you know, this bigger, you know, the Fed, but what the Federation and Romulans—they're always, you know sneaking around each other so there's that cat and mouse intrigue in this game you know so i kind of enjoyed that too it's it's pretty entertaining it's well paced and it's got like yeah, it's, it's pacing got a lot of great is
0: interesting this episode it's it's not it's pretty contemporary i mean it moves very very well i think it holds up very well in the the pacing sense in a, in mm-hmm. a way that we've talked about maybe some of the original series episodes uh, don't. But Steve, where does this one rate, sit for you? Kind of just overall quality compared to
1: well, I mean, the original it's series. right. I think I think it's it's definitely definitely at least pretty good. You know, I mean, I don't know. It's above average for sure. Pretty good, and I think it it gets of course it benefits from our perceptions given its you know being in the third season because it's it's one of the few. <laughs> A few high points in the third season, you know. So, but I do think it's pretty good. And I I think, I, yeah, it's probably it's probably increased in how much I appreciate it over time in the grand scheme. I'm not sure how many times I've seen it and when the first time I saw it or anything like that. But, uh, yeah, I think overall. So, it's definitely, it's, I think it's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Well, what do you guys think this episode is about?
2: Well, it's, um... <laughs> It's kind of hard to pinpoint it because there's a lot going on in this episode. Basically, you know, the premise of the episode is espionage. You know, um, trying to find out what the other person knows and being skillful in deception. So, um, um, careful who you trust. Or there's more than meets the eye. Could could fit in what they're trying to say here. I don't know. What did Just you kind of like, like
0: Transformers?
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Transformers. <laughs> Yeah, know. yeah, yeah. I think I, I think I agree with that notion more than means too. also the kind of this the general feeling of like all's fair in love and war, you know. It's uh it's kind of like in this in this game anything goes, you know, when you when you get in that territory. So um it is interesting though the closing scene toward the end with Spock and some of his comments that Seem to, su- seem to suggest, at least unless he's totally playing her again, that, that he, you know, it's more than just a game to him. But I, I, I believe him completely at that
0: moment. I don't think he has any reason. To lie. You mm. know, unless they're planning to, like, you know, totally try and turn her or something. Right, right. It. it doesn't feel that way to me. And I think that that wouldn't be keeping in the spirit of this episode if he was playing her then. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right, so let's do six degrees for the Enterprise incident. Let's see, it's one to one. Yes, Uh, Steve? Yes. Here's maybe a tough one. Jack Donner plays sub-commander Tall, the sub-commander that obeys when his commander says to blow her up. In Enterprise's fourth season, in the episode Home... He plays a Vulcan priest that helps marry what two people.
1: Hmm. Ah jeez. I don't remember his name. So, um Yeah, I don't
2: remember his name. Adam? You read the question again?
0: Jack Donner plays subcommander Tall, the sub-commander that obeys when his commander says to blow her up. In Enterprise's fourth season in the episode Home, he plays a Vulcan priest that helps marry what two people? What two people? Two... I don't necessarily mean humans.
2: Damn, I don't remember either.
0: Steve, what was one of them? Paul? Yeah, the other is Koss. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, Adam? Uh, Mike Howden plays a Romulan guard that has the privilege of getting knocked out by Kirk. He previously played Lieutenant Rowe in Harry Mudd's second appearance named the episode.
2: Is that Mudd's woman? Nope. (laughs) Steve?
0: (laughs) Uh, I, Mudd. All right. Uh, Steve has two, Adam has
1: one. Moving on. The Paradise Syndrome, Season 3, Episode 3, Production Code 058. Original air date, October 4th, 1968. Directed by Judd Taylor, written by Margaret Arman, music composed by Gerald Freed. Guest cast include Sabrina Sharpe as Miramani, Rudy Solari as Salish, Richard Hale as Goro, Naomi Pollock as Woman, John Linda Smith as Engineer, Peter Virgo Jr. as Warrior, Lamont Laird as Boy, William Blackburn as Lieutenant
2: Hadley, and Roger Holloway as Lieutenant Limley. The Enterprise arrives at an Earth-like planet in anticipation of deflecting an asteroid headed for it. With some time to spare, Kirk, Spock, and McCoy transport to the surface for a brief survey. They find an obelisk with strange markings as well as humanoid species whose customs seem to follow those of various North American native tribes. Alone, Kirk returns to the obelisk and starts to communicate with the Enterprise, but his actions open a trap door where he is left unconscious. Spock and McCoy, unable to find the captain and pressed for time, are forced to return to the Enterprise to oversee the asteroid deflection. These last few weeks, my
1: love for Miramani grows stronger with each passing day. However, the dreams return every night. Fragments of memories
2: I can almost get hold of them and then
0: I bear your child Okay so I'm I'm thinking from our pre-show discussion that maybe one or both of you guys aren't going to be so keen on this episode I actually really like this episode and I kind of always have. I remember when I even when I first really got into the original series um in the the mid 90s at nights when I was, you know, a very young man in the army and I was watching it every night. I remember this being one of the episodes that really blew me away. I and I know it has a lot of problems and they're not light. It's certainly you know, got the uh, the racial problems of a, a lot of stuff from the time where the white man is superior and smart, and you know uh, the Native Americans are not. I I know, and I know those are real things. But I like this episode. I like this story. I think that you could talk about how this is a prototypical episode. Again, the the kind of episode that we've seen done many times on subsequent Star Trek series. You know this this character that uh, a main character that either loses their memory or you know becomes lives out this life. Um, I th- I think that you could oh I don't know just next gen off the top of my head the the data episode where he loses his memory and he lives among those people or um, inner light where Picard lives out this sort of fantasy and his one opportunity to have like a a normal life with a family there's there's so many things that I really like about this episode that it's always been kind of up there for me so which one of you wants to tear it
2: down (laughs) um um, honestly Brian I kind of agree with you I kind of saw the um I agree there are a lot of there are problems with this episode there's um I wouldn't call this um, a super great episode, but I would I would call it a good one. Um, I enjoyed it, and I think for a lot of the reasons that you mentioned, you know, it's um this they didn't do the best job in this, but I think this is kind of like the precursor for a lot of the episodes that we do like, where Captain's um, you mentioned life, like Picard living out an entire life in a, in another reality. You know, it's it happened to Cisco when he was on earth as a writer so in this, in this series this is this is where it happens to kirk where he loses his memory and he lives out this life for months and months and has a wife and um i like that idea too and um i i think i enjoyed it for the same reasons that that you did brian um just because it's it's a different way to look at what um what could have been for um this captain the captain or any kind of character that goes through this what kind of life it would be if they weren't starfleet officers you know
1: I think this kind of is one of these depends on what mood I'm in is how much I like it, to be honest with you. I mean, I, I think that what it's got going for it, I think is that it's, it is well paced. I know, I know I'm never bored in the episode, you know, it's not like it, it's like there are these moments that just drag on forever. It does. It does. Um, and despite its silliness, you, I think it does. It does show off Shatner. I mean, there are these moments that you think, "Man, that's silly." There's some silliness here with him reaching for the sky and hugging himself and <laughs> carrying on and stuff. I mean, you know. But 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 in a way, though, I, I, it's believable in the sense that I, I don't. I don't ever doubt that he's in the situation he's in. He's he feels that he's. Um, you know he, he's lost his memory there's something there but he can't put his finger on it but he's enjoying life and it's that burden of leadership that's so hard you know for people in that position where they never can really live in some cases and this time he's getting that chance to do it and i appreciate that there are a little a lot of silly factors here and and some of those it depends on kind of my mode when i'm going into this is how much it grates on me you know but um I mean, it's it does it does have that going for. It. I think he does a good job. I think it's well paced. Um, I think the the B story is just tiresome. Where the B, it's basically Spock needs to sleep. Spock needs to sleep. Go sleep. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. That's whatever. Anyway, but
0: well, only because we've seen that before. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. You've yeah, yeah. had that experience. But at least it's it's really just one scene. I think where sure. McCoy gets at him but but I agree with that I, I feel like we've seen that before and 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 McCoy is you know blaming him for these problems which is you know unfair but it's just kind of that forced drama yeah uh but it but yeah but I, that that's a real problem certainly certainly sure
2: yeah I, I thought there was some forced drama on the planet with the you know um taking the guy's wife and then he tries to you know that whole animosity that was built for with the, fir- the first um, medicine man, you know, Kurt comes in and he takes over as a medicine man. I didn't really, you know, they didn't really go any, after they got into a fight, they didn't really go anywhere with that. So I kind of felt like that was forced drama as well.
1: I do like the passage of time because again, it's so rare in Trek, you know, that you, is, that that's interesting. That really is
0: awesome. I remember every time I've ever, even when I was younger, all these years, that has been such a unique thing about this episode. You know that it actually takes place over a couple months time. That's 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 bananas.
2: Do we see Kirk's Kirk's um, sideburns get thicker too in this?
0: Yeah, let me talk <laughs> about that in one second. Um, <laughs> the last thing I would, like on the two months thing. The only the only thing that bothers me is like Miramani is pregnant and she comes and she tells him. But my first thought is, that took two months. Come on, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Um but the sideburns, yeah. So one of the things I always loved about this episode, I know this is a weird thing to say, but, and I know it's not the 70s yet, but this episode always feels like it takes place, like it's the 70s somehow. They yeah, yeah, shot yeah. it in the 70s. This is the 70s. Uh, I know I know, we're a couple of years away from that, but this is the only episode that makes me feel that way when I watch the original series. I think it's something about maybe the film stock.
2: Yeah, the outside. The way, the way it looks
0: outside, yeah. yeah. Um, and then, yeah, stuff like... Kirk's sideburns, you know, every, everything in this episode, it's the only one that feels like the 70s to me, until you get to the, uh, you know, the first movie, and which is like 70s on steroids, but I've always liked that about this episode. Maybe that's just one more of the the, the little quirks to this episode that makes me like it, even if it doesn't have anything to do with the show. But the B story, as far as the, the uh, Spock's needs to rest or whatever, you know, might have problems. But I, I like the idea that they're, you know, stopping this asteroid. I like the idea that they f- they fail. Even with all their technology, they are incapable mm-hmm. of pulling it off, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, this obelisk or whatever, this this structure, turns out to be the, the only thing that can do it, and they have to figure out how to use it. You know, I, th- I think that, that whole storyline is actually pretty neat. And that's, there are so many things in this episode that, that uh, keep it moving. There's Even... one thing
2: that one thing that didn't get explained to me. Okay, so their engines are busted. Even so, how do they, you know, they just kind of another ship. Well, I think it's thing?
0: the warp that's busted. Right, they're able to go some kind of sublight impulse. thing. That's why it takes them a couple months. They're basically traveling at the speed of the asteroid.
2: Yeah. Right. No, no, I'm not talking about that. But when they left, I was thinking about that. All right, so they're only on impulse engines. Where are they going to go? Do they have to like call another ship to come get them, or are they? Cause they, I'm assuming they're pretty far deep out in space because they couldn't have another ship come help them in the two or three months. I know these are semantics. I'm just kind of ruining it. No, that's, <laughs> that's a fair
0: point. You yeah. know, so
2: they got like two or three months where the asteroids coming. You know, they couldn't, you know, you know, say, hey, we need some help. So
0: maybe they're like two months and a day. Yeah, to close the closest ship and the closest ship they they contact and it's on its, it's
2: on its way. It gets it gets there the next day after they left. Right, leave. the next day. Sure. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh. I don't know. Those are little things that just kind of pop in my head. I'm like, How uh, do you Steve,
0: if you're in the if you're in the wrong mood for it, what are the things that make you cringe and really dislike this episode? Or am I being too strong with my words there?
1: No, no. Um, I think it's just, it, it's it's. I don't know. It's just it's just kind of over the top. The whole I'm so happy and <laughs> let me reach up to the sky and hug myself. I don't know. It's just so... That's kind of... It seems overblown. And then it's... um
2: Well, Steve, I'll say this. If we didn't have episodes like this, we wouldn't have the great parody of William Shatner's (laughs) over the years being parried in Family Guy and, you know, Simpsons and all these other things. Right, (laughs) right. Just just sitting here talking about it, how often is it that Brian and I like an episode and that Steve doesn't? Sometimes I find myself like you do like an episode I don't or... I mean Steven well, and Steve and I like an episode then Brian doesn't, but it doesn't happen too often where it's Brian and I, I <laughs>
1: well to be to be honest i mean the, what you guys have been saying has has made me rethink a lot of it you know and I think it's it's kind of a knee jerk reaction you know I see and it's probably learn you know appreciating different aspects of things as as you get older and see at different times and stuff too but I think my knee jerk reaction is oh this one you know I mean yeah. I think that's kind of what I had and 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 part of that is probably the race thing, and it's the the almost overacting thing at times, and the kind of um, I don't know emotionalism, and it's so out of left field, it, I, you know. But I but I do I do definitely see where you guys are coming from. Things that have been said, and, and there there's a lot to appreciate here, and it is very interesting too. That um, I mean, you just take it for what it is. That Kirk so much loved being part of that world and loved being just you know you know being part of that community and working that way when he's very much you know as himself and when he's got his memory and as captain of that ship you just don't see that
2: mm-hmm.
0: yeah there there are elements to his personality that you don't that, that must have been there all along uh that we see for the first time because yeah. you know what he's not doing while he's kirok for two months he's <laughs> <laughs> not like running for um, town council or something. I don't know. He's not trying to yeah. be their captain or something. Yep. You know, all those leadershipy things. That's not, he's just, he's just enjoying being this um, husband and, and, you know, this, this idea that he's starting a family and, he's you know, his home and making uh,
2: canals and crops, yeah,
0: he's trying to better everybody's lives and and, uh, and all that stuff. But he's not he's not doing all the things we're used to seeing him do. Mm-hmm. And, and those things that we would assume is if leadership is so at his core
1: mm-hmm. uh,
0: that he would, in fact, do.
1: And it does make you wonder if 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 there was any influence on the inner light, because I mean, that's kind of the quintessential of these kinds of episodes and so good in next gen, because that, that's also, that's in common with what Picard is going through on that right. one. Yeah, certainly uh, we have a lot of problems with this one, but uh, the inner
0: light takes that and, and runs with it in, in a way that it's hard to fault at all. Hmm. Uh, you mentioned it, not Steve and I mentioned it earlier and I, I don't want to gloss over it. I mean, I think it, we need to spend a few words talking about the, the race, uh, racial issues. Now, if they, if if it had been somebody other than Native Americans, some just another an alien species, I don't think we'd be talking about this at all. Mm-hmm. It's only because they are Native Americans, and especially, you know, in this time of filmmaking and and for all of uh, films' existence prior, there there was this kind of almost subconscious. Um, Elevation of white species, and that these, like the Native Americans, were savage. And this concept of the noble savage, which is understandably uh, insulting and things. Um, I don't, I don't really remember thinking that when I was younger. I think that it takes a little, a little bit more um, thought when watching something like this, uh, in, a, in frankly, in a way that I wasn't really being analytical. And, um, but that's the, that's the problem, right. With, with mm-hmm. this kind of racism is that it is so subconscious. It's not, you know, it's not super on the nose cause then everybody would see it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but
2: <sighs> I don't know, but I mean, you know, they paint the civilization in a, good light, you know, they're peaceful, they're happy, you know, they're productive. So I see what you're saying, I don't but I don't think there was like there probably wasn't definitely wasn't a conscious choice. I mean, you know, they were doing this a lot in the 50s and 60s and you know, cowboys and indians and that kind of thing. They didn't quite find it overtly racist because that's that was the you know it was the Indian culture. I think made I didn't have a problem with the premise of what they were doing. I think maybe the, some of the characterization of the characters that were being portrayed might have been a little bit more racist than them actually you know going to a Native American Indian culture and and being involved with them. I think the the depth of maybe not um his wife but some of the other characters were kind of stereotypical and not very deep and that was might have been problematic for me.
0: Uh, I think it's unfortunate. I mean, I I don't know what else to do here, but I think it's unfortunate that Miramani has to die. If she hadn't been pregnant, um, then that wouldn't have to happen, maybe. But that that she's pregnant, and Kirk is going to look like a schmuck if he leaves her, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. uh, with a child, and they don't want to do that to their hero. I would. I I I understand the, the side of we're showing you that he gets this chance to really live out these dreams of, of simple life and family and stuff so she needs to get pregnant and it does make a little bit more drama, you know, her death a little bit more dramatic, but I don't like that and and, and race is an element of this. She, she seems throw away in that because of that, you know what I mean? And that that is the superior that it that is the <sighs> you know, using this savage or whatever. That's what they do, right?
2: The problem that I had with her death was it seemed kind of unnecessary, you know. He, they should have beamed her up immediately. It just kind of got drawn out, and McCoy's only caring for her there on the planet. It seemed like, well, why didn't they just beam her up? That was kind of what I had a problem. You know, it's kind of like, you know, either... I know why they kind of drew it out because they wanted to have that scene at the end where Kirk and her say goodbye to each it's other. It's a good but it just scene. Think... Yeah, it's a good no, scene, would... but I th- I think it would have been better if she maybe would have just died immediately because I don't I don't know. It just seemed like she. Could but have been but that
0: scene, you know, it's not like she, she, she's not sitting there saying, "Oh, woe is me? I'm dying." She she talks about this. Oh, when I'm better, we're going to have, a. uh, well, the child will be born. Everything will be great. We're going to do all these things. You know, she's talking about this life that neither one of them is going to get to live, right? Right. Um, And that's what makes that scene bittersweet and touching and, and makes it work for me. And Kirk has almost nothing to say.
2: Oh, real quick, I hit this in my note. What did you guys think of the preservers? I just found that explanation. They kind of, it was Kirk or Spock and McCoy, you know. Preservers going around spreading humanity all over the universe.
1: It was kind of a throwaway. It was so fast. It was kind of like, oh, That's a big flipping deal. Let's just spend ten seconds <laughs> on it. He does
0: say he doesn't say um, every species everywhere. He he. The way I don't mm-hmm. I don't remember his exact wording, but it's it's enough to kind of imply that it's.
2: This ancient civilization that they know about—it's
0: just—it's just some. It's not like all mm-hmm. life yeah. everywhere came from that. So that meant because of that, I'm totally fine with it. If anything, it probably helps Star Trek canon a little bit, you know, to give them a mm-hmm. more to give it a more plausible reason that there are so many human-like uh, civilizations.
2: <laughs> William McCoy even says in that scene, he's like, i have always wondered why uh, there were so many humanoids."
0: <laughs> yeah, you wanted to say so many humanoids on this show.
2: Yeah, the reason I had that in my notes is because I don't, I didn't remember, I don't, I didn't remember that from years past, and I'm like, going, okay, that's like you said, it's a little bit of canon about the history of this universe, so, but it was never touched upon again.
0: What is this episode about, John? A,
2: a lot of it is about, you know, life, the simplicities of life, and um, family, um, community. You could also put in there, you know, on duty you know the duty that Spock um has to save this planet and possibly sacrifice his, his captain and his friend um so it's kind of what I came up with
1: yeah it's kind of the road not taken thing you know I mean I know uh, you've you've always got the um there's choices and um rarely do we get to like to have a sample of what things could have been how we made other choices in our lives you know and uh um. So I mean, I think it's kind of a it's a window into that for for Kirk and um, and also that you know ultimately you're you have to live with the choices you make. I mean, ultimately when he gets his memory back, he gets and he has his duty and he has to go forward in that way. But um, I don't know, maybe something like that. Cool.
0: Certainly an above average third season episode. Yeah. Let's do Six Degrees for the Paradise Syndrome. I believe Steve has two... Two to one. Uh, Oh, gosh. Steve. Mm -hmm. Naomi Pollock plays one of the Native American women in this episode. Later in season three, she will play Lieutenant Rada in the episode titled That Witch Blank. What's the blank?
1: Mm, Survives?
0: Yes. Adam Miramani is played... I had to ask this question because I remember her very well for this. Miramani is played by Sabrina Sharf. Sharf is best known for playing Sarah in the 1969 biker movie starring Peter Fonda, Dennis Hopper, and Jack Nicholson. Name it.
2: Easy Rider.
0: You are correct. Uh, Steve takes it for the day, but not, but just barely. So.
2: I, I, I got scared there because I knew the movie you were talking about. I'm like, what's the name? They're in the middle of the question. I was like,
0: please tell me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Easy Rider. All right. So we've kicked off season three. I think I I did the math this morning. I think we're going to finish the original series like early October. Mm. And listeners, I'm not sure if I've mentioned it, but the three of us have discussed that we are going to do the animated series after this. We'll figure out, you know, I'm sure we'll do more than three episodes each, so it won't take us long. Uh, My guess is we'll finish up the animated series. How many other? What, how many is twenty? Twenty-two, maybe something like that. Something like that, yeah. But yeah, we'd probably end up finishing that, so that'll take us through the end of the year anyway. But uh, looking forward to watching those Blu-rays. But for now, we get to season three, and believe it or not, I've had season, I've had the original series on Blu-ray all these years. I opened it for Season 3 for the first time. Wow. I've obviously had Seasons 1 and 2 open for a long time uh, and watched them many times, those Blu-rays, but um, select episodes anyway. But this is the first time I opened even opened my Season 3 Blu-ray set that I've had for, I don't know, a decade. <laughs> um, so what does that tell you about what I think is Season 3? <laughs> anyway, um, I am looking forward to going back through this now. Um, and I am excited for... Doing the next three episodes of season three two weeks from now. Uh, so, folks, you can follow us on Twitter at TrekCompanion. Uh, let's see, Facebook, our Facebook listener page is facebook.com slash TrekCompanion. Um, you can send us an email, TrekCompanion at gmail.com. So once again, thanks for spending an hour with us. And until next time, take it easy.
2: Bye guys. See ya.
0: I passed it.